I saw on the announcements, it's Jim's birthday today. So I feel very honored to be here on this day. I also feel very young uh, being able to stand next to him, but uh, (laughs) happy birthday. Three guys were shipwrecked on a deserted island for years. One day, an old lamp floats up onto the beach. One of the guys runs over, picks it up, rubs it. You know what happens next. Out pops a genie. For being freed from the lamp, the genie grants each of the three guys one wish, whatever they want. First guy blurts out, I wish I was back home in California. Poof, he disappeared. Second guy quickly says, I wish I was back home in Texas. Poof, he disappeared. Third guy just stood there for a few minutes, didn't say anything. Finally, with tears streaming down his face, he looked up at the genie and said, I'm feeling a bit lonely right now. I wish my friends were back with me. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Now, if my outline is working, as a father, if God were to grant you one wish, whatever you want, what would you ask for? Would you ask for fame, money, beauty? Actually, someone in the Bible got that very opportunity. His name was Solomon. He was the third king of Israel. His father was King David, as many of you know. When Solomon took office, he was only about 20 years old. That's pretty young to be a leader of a nation. One night, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. It's a story that's found in 1 Kings chapter 3. And God said to Solomon, ask for whatever you want. I'll give it to you. You want fame, you want power, you want possessions, you want long life, you want riches. You name it, Solomon. Whatever you want, it's yours for the asking. You know what Solomon asked for? He looked at God and said, I would like wisdom. The wisdom to distinguish between what's right and what's wrong. Wisdom to govern the people of Israel. That's all I want. Wisdom. God was so pleased with what Solomon had asked for, he said to Solomon, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you all the other things that you didn't ask for. The rest is history. That very night, Solomon became the wisest man who ever traversed this earth. He's best known for writing the book of Proverbs, which is a collection of short statements expressing profound truths about human behavior. It's an incredibly practical book. Proverbs talks about things like family, friends, temptation, work, money, power, death, success, failure, all kinds of things that you and I wrestle with on a day-to-day basis. If you're going to pursue one trait as a father, and I would broaden it out to if you're going to pursue one thing as a person, I would say wisdom should be at the top of your list. And that's what I'd like us to hone in on this morning, the pursuit of wisdom. So let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word, and to hear from you. And I pray that your spirit would be at work in all of our lives, that you would take the word 
that you have provided to us in the Bible and applied in our hearts in a meaningful way that changes us forever. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be attentive, take away the distractions of the day, and help us to focus on you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. The wisest man who ever lived said this in Proverbs chapter 4. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 15, Solomon said, Wisdom is more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. I'd like to work our way through a variety of verses by asking a handful of questions. So the first question I'd like to tackle, um, should be obvious, is just what is wisdom? What are we talking about? I mean, if we're going to make wisdom our pursuit in life, we better know exactly what we're, we're after. Well, let me begin by telling you what it's not. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. You know, many people confuse the two. In the last couple of decades, there's literally been an explosion of knowledge across the world through advances in technology and medicine and science. Uh, Coupled with the World Wide Web, uh, we have an explosion of knowledge in our generation. Do you realize that at our fingertips, we can download in five minutes what scholars 50 years ago would have taken their entire academic careers to learn? unbelievable state of how much knowledge we have at our access. And that leads us to the question, are we any wiser today on account of all this knowledge? Probably not. You see, a person can have an encyclopedic mind with numerous degrees after his or her name. A person can have the IQ of a genius and still make rather unfortunate decisions in life. Dumb decisions. They can uh, be nothing more than an educated fool. By no means is wisdom the equivalent of knowledge. Because it's not about IQ. It's not about intelligence. It's not about formal education. And I would say it's not even about common sense. It's much more than that. So what is it? Wisdom is the skill of living a life pleasing to God. You want to circle that word skill. That's the operative word in that phrase. It's the ability to approach life with an eternal vantage point, taking into account God's perspective on the matter and then acting accordingly. Wisdom is something that all of us, doesn't matter what your level of education, wisdom is something that all of us can develop over the course of time. Now, our problem as we scurry about our busy lives, our problem is that seldom do we pause to reflect on God's perspective. You know, the truth be known, a lot of times we're not concerned what God thinks about a certain situation. In our default state, we're pretty much self-centered, self-serving. We much prefer to do things our own way. And let's face it, you know, that's the voice of the contemporary culture, you know? You want to do things your own way. You want to follow your emotions, follow your hearts, you know, follow your inner gut feelings, your inner instincts. That's what the world tells us. 
The Bible says that's not so smart. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. We may not be quick to admit it, but our natural instincts are not always that reliable. Maybe sometimes, but not all the time. What we engage in may seem perfectly reasonable at the time, or what we think may be certainly reasonable at the time. But down the road, we realize we've reached a dead-end street. That's why we need to pursue wisdom. If we're going to live out our lives in the way that God intended us to live out our lives, it's going to take, I would say, a fair amount of skill. It doesn't come naturally. Well, as an aside, I want to ask the question, are there any practical benefits Afforded to those who pursue wisdom? Sure, all kinds of benefits. Proverbs chapter 3, we read, Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Sounds like a lot of the things that Solomon got uh, in addition to him asking God for wisdom. They're all wrapped up in being wise. Now, some of you might be thinking, come on, how can God promise me a long life if I'm wise? Well, you got to remember the literary genre that we're in. We're in Proverbs. These are meant to be general truths. Just like when you use a proverb in today's uh, language, you're not meaning it to be a bona fide promise. It's meant to be a general truth. Haste makes waste. You know, a stitch in time saves nine. Uh, Those are just general truths that we try to convey, and that's what is happening here. Generally speaking, wise people probably are going to live longer because they maybe make wiser decisions in life. You know, they have healthier habits, healthier lifestyles. They don't approach life in a sort of a kamikaze way and take uh, all these dangerous paths uh, through life. I read one study done in America which found that people who join a church and attend that church weekly live on an average of 6.7 years longer than those who don't. Now, far be it for me to use such a study to heap a boatload of guilt on you, but the next time you're tempted to play hooky from church, it may just very well be another nail in your coffin. (laughs) I got one amen from the pastor. You might also be thinking to yourself, well, how can God promise me riches? Again, Proverbs uh, is offering all kinds of sensible advice uh, uh, on how God wants you to steward the resources that have been afforded to you. God wants to be your financial planner. He wants to be your investment broker. And when you follow his advice, uh, chances are you're going to have a bigger pile of trinkets at the end of your journey. How can wisdom bring honor, pleasure, security, and peace? All those things mentioned. Again, I think it's just, generally speaking, you're probably going to go through life saying the right things at the right time, doing the right things at the right time. You're going to probably respond to pressure and temptation in a better, healthier way. You're probably going to cope with success and failure and navigate the ups and downs of life as a wise person, considering God's perspective and an internal perspective as you face the challenges of life. And I do want to mention 
you're going to face challenges. I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I'm not suggesting that wise people don't encounter tragedy and difficulty uh, and the ups and downs of life. They do. They've just learned to handle their problems with an eternal perspective and a humble faith in God. Next question, how do we get it? How do we gain a heart of wisdom? You know, are we going to get wisdom by watching reality TV shows? Uh, downloading the latest TikTok videos? I don't think so. There's only one reliable source for wisdom, and that is God's word. If we want to be wise, we better go directly to the source. Now, I know many of you have probably memorized 2 Timothy 3.16, but I'd like to read it to you from more of a paraphrase translation uh, to drive home the significance of God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture was given to us by inspiration from God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what's right. Solomon starts off the book of Proverbs, giving you the benefits uh, of a heart of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, beginning in verse 1. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Do you want to know how best to traverse the potholes and speed bumps of life? Do you want to know exactly how to handle challenging situations with in-laws or next-door neighbors or friends or family? Do you want to save a lot of money in therapy and counseling? Make it a priority to get into God's word. The Bible is the source of wisdom. It's the owner's manual of, of how to live life. If we want to know how to best to live we would do well to read the instruction book. Actually, there is a bit more to wisdom than just reading the Bible. It's important to read the Bible, but I would say two things have to happen along the way. And if you're taking notes, these are the last two points in your outline. First of all, make sure you do what it says. Look at Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 to 2. Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. I'm sure we'd all agree that a Bible just sitting on the coffee table in the living room that's unopened, unread, uh, collecting dust, it would be really worthless as far as its value in our lives. Well, the same can be said if we're reading it, but just not applying it. It's really worthless. The Bible is meant to be applied. The first step towards application, I know this is going to sound painful, the first step to application is a memorization. Look again at verse 1 of chapter 7. Solomon said, store up God's word in your heart. In other words, you've got to remember it. You've got to pack it away. You've got to memorize it. So let me ask you, when was the last time you sat down and memorized a verse of scripture. Have you ever sat down and memorized a verse of scripture? Perhaps that might explain why you are challenged to make wise decisions in life. 
you need to commit God's word to memory. And then after you commit it to memory, hopefully the next step will fall into place. You commit it to action. That's how we become wise in following God. I'm sure some of you have made trips to maybe different parts of the world. If you've ever flown from the United States to Europe uh, and you've stayed awake on the flight and you've looked at that little map that they put up on the screen, you've probably noticed that it's not sort of a straight line from Chicago right straight over to Europe. No. Planes fly over the top. They go over sort of northern Canada and over Greenland and you touch upon the Arctic Circle. Suppose for a moment that your plane crashed somewhere in the Arctic Circle, and miraculously, you survived. And you start combing through the wreckage of the plane, and you discover a little booklet entitled, How to Survive in the Arctic Circle. Lucky you, okay? How to not starve to death, and how not to freeze to death. Now, you could read that book from cover to cover a hundred times over, and still end up starving to death and freezing to death if you don't apply the things that you read. James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's the secret to living an effective life. Too many Christians, I think too many people who attend church, they're, they're living almost a deceptive life. They've convinced themselves that everything's fine. They're making it. You know, they go to Bible study. They go to church. They hear all kinds of inspiring things. But really, it's just going in one ear and out the other. You know, sometimes maybe you've had this happen. You're on your way home from church on Sunday. You're like, what was this sermon about again? (laughs) What verses did we talk about uh, on Sunday? Yeah. God says, stop kidding yourselves. Stop deceiving yourselves. It takes more than just reading the Bible and going to church or going to a Bible study to have uh, God's word really deeply implanted in your life to the point of application. It's got to be put into practice. Second thing we need to pay attention to in our pursuit of wisdom, we need to get to know God. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One brings understanding. It's tragic that so many people, I, I, I interact with people uh, especially when I travel and I get to meet people from all different kinds of walks of life. So many people go through life ignoring the very one who made them. Solomon would say to them, that's sheer folly. You and I were made for a purpose. We were made for a reason. God has a plan for each and every one of us. We were created to have a relationship with him. God created us to enjoy fellowship with him for all eternity. That's the starting point to being wise having this reverential trust in the Lord. Have you ever wondered why some people walk into marriages that are doomed right from the start? Have you ever wondered why some people will continue uh, to make crazy, crazy financial decisions, one right after another? Why is it that people are willing to start bad habits, habits that they know at the end of the line is going to be destructive, almost deadly? Why do people sell their souls to empty pursuits like success and popularity? Here's another question. Why do people fail to prepare for death and eternity when they know it's inevitable? We're all going to die. One day we're all going to pass out into eternity. 
Well, the book of Proverbs would summarize the answer to all such questions with one simple phrase, a lack of wisdom. Whenever there's a lack of wisdom, people are always going to make less than admirable decisions that have dire consequences. Solomon said, knowing God, it's going to bring wisdom. It's going to bring understanding. So you have to confront that question. Do you really know God? Uh, And I'm not talking about just having a bunch of theological facts about God. I'm talking about really knowing God. You say, well, I believe God exists, always have. That's a start. But so does Satan. He's not going to end up in heaven. Think of it this way. Just because you believe in Lenin doesn't make you a Marxist. Just because you believe in Hitler doesn't make you a Nazi. Just because you believe that Jesus lived and died 2,000 years ago doesn't make you a Christian. Why? Because it's so much more than just acknowledging the intellectual, uh, intellectual facts about Jesus. Christ wants to have an intimate relationship with him. He wants us to put our complete uh, undying faith and trust in him. He wants us to personally invite him into our lives, recognizing that we're sinful and that we're separated from God, and he wants to be our Savior. He wants to be our Lord. The Bible, when it talks about knowing God, that term knowing speaks of intimacy. It speaks of relationship. If you had told me 40 years ago that someday I would be standing in front of a bunch of people talking about God, I would have looked at you and said, you are certifiably insane. (laughs) Seriously. From the time I was little, I wanted to be a doctor. In fact, my junior year in high school, as it started, I was putting together all the preparatory things that needed to be put in place for me to go off to medical school. And besides, I did have a, a speech class in high school. I think it was my freshman or sophomore year. Uh, I remember the teacher giving us a four-by-six card saying, put on it whatever you want for your three-minute speech. Well, I wrote out my three-minute speech word for word with this terrifying prospect of going up in front of the class and giving a speech. I got up in front of the class... I think I read the first five words on that four-by-six card, and it's as though someone took an eraser and erased my brain. I stood there, I'm not exaggerating, I'm sure I stood there for a full minute, looking at the teacher, at each of the classmates, and then I just went and sat down. Uh, I sat there for a moment, no one was making eye contact with me, but then one of my friends looked at me and said, hey, what was that all about? I said, I will never ever, ever public speak again in my entire life. But then something happened that year that changed my life. The previous year, someone had given me a Bible. I stuck it up in my trophy shelf in my room. It was fit right there between a couple of trophies. It looked nice. But one night I thought, you know, maybe I should start reading that book that had been given to me. Um, And our family went to bed at 9 o'clock. I don't know, you know, if you're night owls, but our family, the whistle blew in our town at 9 o'clock. Everybody went to bed. So I would sneak out to the living room in the, in the dark living room. I took that Bible down and I started reading in the Gospels. Fortunately, I started in the book of Matthew and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I got uh, into John. At that point, I was intrigued not only by what Jesus taught, by the miracles he did, by his interactions with the religious leaders, but all of a sudden I was confronted with my sinfulness and my need for a savior. And after reading John 3.16, Uh, The Spirit of God so gripped my heart, I even stopped at that verse, 
reread it a couple of times, and in the simplest faith that I could express, said, I believe that Jesus uh, is the Son of God and that he can be my Savior, and I accepted Christ into my life. Now, up to that point, I would say I knew about Jesus. I knew, you know, a handful of facts about Jesus. But after that simple prayer of faith, I came to know Jesus personally, and it changed me from the inside out. The rest of my life has been spent developing uh, my relationship with him. I, I, I had to tell my dad, I'm not going to go to medical school. Um, I'm going to go to Bible college, to which my dad's initial reaction, he wasn't a believer, but he said, why would you want to throw away your, wife, your life doing something like that? You know, It wasn't until halfway through my first year of Bible college that my mom called me and said, I just want you to know that your dad's no longer ashamed of you. My mom was really happy. I'm like, what? My dad was ashamed of me? <laughs> Uh, but I knew what uh, he, he meant. He became very supportive of me going through school. And it dawned on me that I'm going to have to public speak at some point. So I had to get over uh, that fear um, in my life. And God has helped me. Now, I realize most of you, you're Christians. You've made that decision. You've invited Christ into your life. And that's fantastic. You've come to know God. You've, you know him personally. You know him intimately. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Make wisdom your number one pursuit in life. Make wisdom your number one pursuit. How? Commit to getting into God's word every day. There are all kinds of helpful things to read God's word. There's the daily bread. There's read through the Bible in a year. Uh, I'm sure there, there are many apps that you can download a passage of scripture every day to keep you on track to get into God's word every day. Don't let anything stop you. Um, it's the most important thing you can do as a Christian. Remember what Solomon said? Wisdom is supreme. It's more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Love wisdom. It'll make you great. Well, make that commitment today to be wise. One other way that you can uh, glean from God's word. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. One corresponding to sort of each day of, the, of a typical month. So today is June 19th. So you go home and you can read through uh, Proverbs chapter 19. Take you a few minutes. Reflect on what God is teaching you. What you can apply. Maybe even memorize a verse or two out of Psalm or Proverbs 19. And you will find yourself well on the path to becoming the wise person God desires all of us to be. Let's close with a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the challenge of your word. I pray, Father, that you would help us all to make that commitment to pursue you with all of our hearts, to hear from you through your word, be attentive to what you have to say, to, to memorize and to store it away in our minds, but most importantly, to apply what we've learned, what we've heard from you. And may you give us the power through your spirit to walk with you in a wise way. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.